Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. Andrew? I'm so savvy. You already know. I'm NYSE. Already bought that IPO. I'm so savvy. Because I don't buy gold. Invest in betterment. Watch it grow. Please, please kill me now. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been taking voice lessons, so it's you know, it's kind of a thing. Really? No, no. You may. You really thought hire, I was, it was that you may good? Want to hire a, a you know a better, like a more highly priced vocal coach for that. Mm. This is a, a suggestion there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, seriously though, props, man, because I don't think I would have done that. And there's a lot of things I would do. Anyway, hey, my name is Thomas, and I'm here as always with um, Michael Blueblade here, my friend Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, how are you and what are you drinking? Good, man, Hopefully good. Hopefully it doesn't loosen you up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just uh, polishing off my Hurricane Kitty from uh, Keegan Ailes. Getting a little IPA up in here. Oh, nice, nice. I got, so you know my, my little go-to beer is a Traveler. Mm-hmm. The Winter Shandy is my favorite beer ever. But they actually just came out with a new seasonal. And luckily it hasn't it hasn't usurped the winter one yet, but it's out in tandem. It's the... What is it? Forbidden Traveler Apple Shandy. Hmm. Uh, it, I, I, I tried the Shock Top Apple Cider one. That's pretty good. But this is probably my favorite of the apple, apple-y things. Wait, wait. Do you, you have it right now? I do. It's in my Pilsner glass because ah. my Pilsner glass is my everything glass except for my stouts, <laughs> which go in my stout glass. Because I that, only have three beer glasses. I feel like I need a more professional setup. I'm drinking my beer out of a glass that says... Well, actually, it's a pint it glass, right? It, yeah. it is. This one is a pint glass. I thought it was my glass that says rye on it, but I have a glass from Think Geek that has like a like a C sharp, I think, line. It's like include beer with like all the weird characters. It's pretty cool. But I like your nerd water cred for sure. Your nerd cred just is like mad big <laughs> with that glass. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, that was our catchphrase, and that comes to us from Sean Byrne. Thank you for that. Uh, and if you want to send us your catchphrases or weird songs or whatever, you can send them to us over on Twitter. We are at Money Matters Man on Twitter, and we would love to say your catchphrases or have Andrew sing them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but today we have a guest on the show. His name is Ethan Block, and he is the CEO of a company called Digit. So, hey, how you doing, Ethan? What's up? Very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I don't have any beer, unfortunately. It's a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you got a Thundercat. I do have a Thundercat. That's uh, awesome. It's a little bit earlier over here, and my teammates probably will have some uh, judgment if I start drinking right now. Even though, um, wait, is it? Are you in California? Yes. So it's what, like three forty-five there? Three forty-five. We're almost at beer o'clock, but we're not quite there. <laughs> hey, it's five o'clock somewhere, mm. and you can't drink all day if you don't start at eight a.m. So that's true. That's true. I said that to my girlfriend once, and she got really mad at me. <laughs> it was in the middle of a giant bike ride, which makes sense. Because I don't think, as a small girl, you want a drunk 200-pound boyfriend on a bike <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Unless there's a lot of life insurance involved. Yeah. I try not to drink on Ragbri. But anyway, so um, tell me what Digit is. Because my, my impression of Digit is that if I'm somebody who likes to buy coffee at the coffee shop and I forget one day to do it, It'll like sort of buy it for me, but instead of giving me a coffee, it'll just save my money. Is that kind of what's going on there? Sort of. It's the the idea of sort of putting money aside that 
you might not need is right. But Digit will never, never at least intentionally cramp your lifestyle. I mean, it really tries to find money that you don't need, but mm-hmm. won't actually feel is missing based on how you've been spending money. So if you sign up for Digit, it's not like, hey, the things you enjoy in your life, you should stop doing them, and then Digit will start saving money for you. It literally is keep living the life you're living, uh, and Digit will just start setting money aside and trying to find those pockets regardless of the lifestyle you, you currently have. Okay, so so it's more like I'm a mom, and like I tell my son, please steal money out of my purse, but only steal money that I wouldn't miss and put it in a bank account for me, like an investment, basically. Kind that's of exactly like that. right. Yeah, that's exactly right. We should actually maybe rebrand. <laughs> <laughs> like stealing from your grandma, yeah. but, but not. The, the purse <laughs> snatcher of mom and friends. <laughs> I don't... Yeah. Well, that actually sounds pretty cool because uh, one of the things that Andrew and I talk about a lot are like habits and um, like rewards for, for things we do. And it's often hard to justify saving um, because the delay on the reward is so far out because your money you're saving is probably going to be used when you're much, much older. And so I would hard. much rather buy the six pack of beer or whatever uh, and just never get around to saving. So what I want to do is automate all my investing. But, you know, I do a fixed amount every month. It's just like a, a straight like thousand bucks into Vanguard. And I could probably be saving more, but I'm not really thinking about it at that point. So I kind of like this concept of money I'm not going to miss just kind of being in a different account when I don't need it anymore. And you guys have like a way to get it back if you do need it, right? Yeah, you just sort of you just text digit uh, withdraw and then the money can get back into your checking account next business day. Okay, cool. So to step back a little bit, um, sure. cuz we actually I, I kind of cheated and I asked you a bunch of questions before you even came on the show. So, yes. so I know some answers, but I feel like you should share with, with everyone. Um, I know that there is a little bit of magic involved, but besides the magic, how does Digit actually know like it could take money out of my account and that I'm not like going to try and use that to buy coffee like in the yeah. next five minutes or something? Yeah, so when, you, when someone signs up for Digit, you connect sort of your existing checking account with any bank in the U.S., currently just U.S., and Digit will then sort of pull transaction and balance history. It'll figure out if you have a paycheck, what the cadence is. If you don't, well, what type of income do you usually see in a month? What are your fixed recurring bills? What do you typically spend in a month? And then every single weekday, it'll look at your checking account, see how much is in there, ask itself a bunch of questions like, when's the next time you might get paid? For how much? What, what bills are coming? How much money have you spent over the last week? How much money have you spent yesterday? And in that um, from those questions, try to arrive at a small amount of money. It knows you definitely don't need for bills, but it doesn't think it's going to cramp your lifestyle based on how you've been spending money and how you usually spend money. And the amounts are so small that it, it, it's, very un, it's extremely unlikely. In fact, I think we're 99, no, I think we're like 98.5% confident in almost every transfer that it won't, um, certainly won't overdraft you, but it also won't uh, uh, hurt right a purchase you're about to make, or it sort of impinge on a purchase you're about to make in franchising. So, so, can you guys like tell like specific figures of how much it might save, or is it like very dependent on the uh, the bank account, like individual bank account? It is really dependent on the individual. So the algorithm within Digit sort of like 
molds itself to the person based on this, the life they live. Uh, we do. So if you look at all the users we have, the average savings transfer uh, is around $23. Okay. And, and how often is that? Yeah. Every three days on average. Okay. So you're saving like 70 bucks a week almost. Right. Huh. Now, uh, what happens if you have a bank account with say a thousand dollars in it, but there are no transactions ever hitting that account? Will digit still save or does like digit freeze up and it's like ah and doesn't know what to do it i can't do the impression like that that's good it will freeze (laughs) up like that though yeah i mean transactions are really like the lifeblood that allows digit to operate if there's an account you attach with no transactions it won't it won't do anything it might save like initially a couple bucks here and there trying to figure things out but if you're not spending and making money digit won't uh, attempt to save so it airs on the side of caution yep that's right okay so here's a question that might, it might throw you for a loop, might not, I'm not sure. Um, is it smart enough to, under, to like understand people who make money via like their own business? So like yep. I know Mint is not smart enough to realize that my PayPal transfers are income. So it constantly <laughs> says I'm like $3,800, $38,000 in the hole all the time, but I'm not. And it just like ignores the PayPal transfers, which is where my income comes yeah, it from. Thinks they're like a, it thinks they're like a bank transfer. Yeah, something income. like that. Yeah. Yeah, Digit will see PayPal or any income like that or any transfer like that as income. Okay. So what um, maybe adds to some of, some of the elusiveness is Digit is not like an app. Like you sign up online and then you interact by text messages. Um, but I, I know uh, in like your quick video it says that it's FDIC insured. Can you maybe tell us a bit more like what is – the, the meat and bones of it? Yeah. So you're right. So you basically sign up for Digit Web or sort of mobile web. You can view your balance or transaction history, change your checking account or close your account at any time by logging in on your phone. But the primary interaction is over text messages. Digit starts talking to you like a financial buddy after you sort of sign up. Uh, and there's a fuck ton of Easter eggs in there, which we've had people sort of discovering since the beginning and, and creating, which has been a lot of fun to do. And it'll keep you posted on what it's saving. You can even ask it things about your checking account. What's your balance? What recent transactions have happened? Are there upcoming bills? Um, and then the money itself is stored with one of our bank partners in a very similar way to how PayPal or Venmo, I guess Venmo is now Braintree, which is PayPal, um, would store customer funds, which is in uh, pooled accounts that are custodial accounts that meet the requirements for what's called FDIC pass-through insurance. Mm. Um, One of our bank partners is Wells Fargo. They process all of our banking transaction and hold some of our customer funds for us. Okay. Maybe the the million-dollar question. It could be the million-dollar question for us or the million-dollar question for Digit is – Probably for us. Probably for you guys. <laughs> I, I, when when your our money is sitting in this a custodial account, who yeah. gains the interest on it? Yeah. So today, um, digit we so today we keep the interest we generate from our customers' savings, mainly because the product's completely free. Mm. We don't charge for any transfers. We don't charge for any of the connecting to your bank, and those are all very real costs for us. Every time we move money, it costs us money. And so today, the, what we're attempting to do is really just break even 
with the product we have because people are resonating with it. It's saving money. I think we're a little over $800,000 saved so far for our members and a little under, you know, we started onboarding people in August of last year. Wow. Um, yeah. And it's just like starting to really take off because we're just starting to open digit up mm. and share more invites. Mm-hmm. And so in the short run, we're keeping the minimal amount of interest we make. And if you look at like a Bank of America savings account, I think it pays 0.01% interest, which is one basis point. Mm. Um, in the longer run or even the short run, we will have opportunities to make interest within Digit. For the customer or for you guys? For the customer. They're, okay, they're cool. already making it. But I, yeah, I definitely yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, resonate with the Wells Fargo, whomever, paying you like shit for interest. I mean, we talk a lot on like just not keeping your money there. So, yeah, it's, dep- it's depressing. Yeah, I, I like the, the concept of using Digit as the, the tool to save, not, not like you're going to vault all your money there for forever. Sorry, Ethan. No, it's okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, you know, we... We're, when we started Digit, we're, you know, we started the financial services company we wish already existed. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when we think about this stuff, we're, you know, we, we are trying to be as in line with our customers as possible. And we're able to do that largely because our costs are so low. You know, a, a company like Bank of America, they lose money on the checking account. And so mm-hmm. they lose money on their savings accounts. That's largely. why they have like minimums and like all this. Exactly scary. right. Yeah. The mm-hmm. big banks make money from poor people and rich people. They make it from fees from poor people and they make it from actually leveraging your savings from rich people. But the vast majority of the middle class, us, they don't make money off of. So they don't, they don't innovate for products in that segment because there's no money in it for them. They just, their cost structure is just burdened them. And so the hope is at Digit and other companies, we can kind of build the products we want to use because there can be money in it for everybody. Right. You know, it would be, it would be kind of cool if there was eventually some structure where uh, you could auto-invest once you hit a certain threshold well, into dude, like a mutual fund yeah. that you already had. And maybe you guys could like take a little bit of a cut or something. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if we would take a cut because for me, you know, I have most of my money in Vanguard. Yeah. And so it's just like... Anything that is more expensive than what the Vanguard, you know, my total stock market index fund cost me, feels like lost money. So I don't know. For us, we'd figure out some way to make some money. But um, mm. to your point, we definitely will do what we call internally sort of automating your retirement or auto retirement. Yeah. And that'd be really cool, actually. So this morning I got up and basically all my Vanguard money was in this like basically an old man fund as uh andrew called it <laughs> it was like a star fund it was like 40 percent bonds government the, bond fund <laughs> it, was, it was like 40 percent bonds 60 percent stock it was like the at the time a few years ago it was the only thing i could find that was a thousand dollar minimum investment mm. rather than like 3k and i was in yep. college when i got into it so it was the only thing i could afford Good but you. now you know I, I can afford other things so literally this morning i moved my stuff into uh the uh investor shares 500 and then the reit that he was talking to me telling me about and uh, I up my auto transaction every month to a thousand. But here awesome. I'm sitting, like thinking, like, cool, I'm gonna put a thousand dollars a month into this account. But how much money is like sitting in my checking account that I would probably just end up wasting, based on like looking at it and thinking, oh, I have enough money for this random dumb thing. How much, you know, could I save extra per month if I did something like this, where it was just not really, I didn't have to make a decision about it. It was made for me. 
Yeah. It's interesting too, because what we see is we have a, a wide variety of users in terms of their sort of spread between their income and their spending. Mm. If you don't save at all because <clears throat> you just can't muster the control right now because life is hard and fuck it is hard for a lot of us and some of us even more, Digi will still save for you. Yeah. If you already save, like in your situation, Digit will save more money for you. Mm-hmm. And so, and there's different value, right? For someone that can't put $100 away at the end of the month, Digit probably delivers the most value for because it's going to set that money aside at the end of the month. Yeah. Where someone in your case will still set money aside, um, probably a little bit less value in it. And I know I'm like, shit, I'm the creator. Why am I talking about less <laughs> value in my product? But there's still value there. And again, if you, if we can automate some of the actual investing for you in the longer run, there'll be more value there. Yeah. And I mean, even if you think about it, like less value marginally from somebody who doesn't save, it's still a lot of value if you think about it. Like 23 bucks a week invested at 7% is going to be a lot in the long run, you know, if you're doing it every week. So uh, I wouldn't say that it's less value. It's just kind of a different, different angle on it. Yeah. So I'm interested, like you, so are you the guy who created it, like came up with the idea or do you have a team? Yeah. So we're five people today. Okay. Um, you know, I would love to be able to take credit for what we do here, but I you know, can't. I, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have the product we have if it wasn't for the team we have. Mm. Um, I did have the inception of the idea, but as we all know, like ideas are a dime a dozen. And mm. so it's really the team that's really brought the product. I thought you were going to say, and we all know inception is like a dream within a dream. <laughs> or, yeah, or if you really, a yeah, dream within a dream how many dreams were they in by the end of the movie? I, I don't know. It was yeah. pretty intense. Yeah. They were uh, in three. Three? <laughs> yeah. I think it was, that was it? It was, that was, it was just three. Okay. Because they were in like the main city and then they were in the, the building, the hotel, and then the third one was in the snow base. Yeah. The yeah. snow base is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, tangent. So <laughs> this podcast is all about tangents. Yeah, that, that's really, we're 80% like chaff and like, you know, a little bit of meat. That's, that's the good. thing, though. Like, if you're sitting in a bar with friends, like, there's going to be a lot of tangents. You may come across, you know, you may come out of it with a few things learned, but, like, the reason you stayed for six hours is because there was tangents and it was fun. That's Speaking true. of tangents, <laughs> I, I was looking you guys up online, and I'm a little bit of, like, a startup nerd. You know, I love the Y Combinator stuff, and I, Paul Graham, like, I, I feel like I know him already. I've read so many of his essays. Um, and I was on Crunchbase because everyone, you know, it's it's like going to, like, a a porn website. Like you eventually go to Crunchbase to, you know, like peek under the covers. <laughs> and I noticed that you were funded by Google Ventures. And my first thought was, wow, he must be dating Larry, Larry's daughter or something. <laughs> so h- how did you guys pull that off? Well, I'm married. Um, so I'm not dating Larry's daughter. <laughs> I think the ages would be a little bit off. Um, I was really fortunate to have met MG Siegler. Who's um, who's a partner at Google Ventures? Who was originally uh, a writer at TechCrunch and before that at VentureBeat, I believe. I met him when I first moved to San Francisco in 2008 when he was at VentureBeat, and we just stayed in touch. And as I sort of as they just started to ramp up, we got together to catch up, and I showed him what we were doing, and he just totally got it. And so it made sense when we did our seed round to have them involved, and they just I don't know. Shit just happens like that, I think. Um, 
to it. I mean, obviously you work your ass off, but you just get lucky. Mm. I don't know if that's taking the wind out of our sails a bit, but I believe I'm just unbelievably fortunate. So now that you're funded by Google Ventures, like in a month or so, you're going to retire? I doubt that. <laughs> this is my retirement. I mean, I started my previous company um, right out of college. It was called Flowtown. We built marketing software for small businesses. We did it for three and a half years and had an, uh, an, an acquisition by Intuit. And that didn't necessarily make me money where I didn't have to work the rest of my life, but it made me enough money where I could do whatever I wanted. And yeah. I wanted to work on personal finance and mm. build products. And so here I am in retirement. Uh, I'm weird like every, that too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to do? Exactly, like, right. You're going to play with more money things. Like here's, uh, I always put, I always think about it. Ben Franklin retired at the age of 43, right? Mm. Then he went on to help the American Revolution. Right. <laughs> like a fucking boss in his exactly. retirement. Well, that makes sense. I, I, I just don't like this whole image of retiring and then just sitting on a beach. Like, I get bored sitting on a beach after like half an hour or an hour. So, totally. The thing that gets me up in the morning is like the thought that, ooh, I could get up and create something really cool today. Totally. And like, there's like no better feeling than when I publish something new that I haven't done before. And it's just like, that I can't give that up just because I have enough money to live without working. Always going to work. Yeah, I totally feel that. I talked mm-hmm. to a, lo- a wide array of people who made good money to like fuck you money. And that is a recurring theme for like creators. And it's not just entrepreneurs, but creators. You just have this like disease almost where you're both like get real excited and depressed when you're creating. Is anyone going to give you shit? <laughs> yeah. Like that ride. It's a yeah. dick. Dude, it makes sense. I, I felt I was like depressed yesterday. And then like today I was like back to awesome. It just I was made a little depressed yesterday also, funny enough. <laughs> you, you know what it is? It's like you're you're riding like the high of life, like you finally got this huge achievement, whatever, and then some fucking internet troll says <laughs> something dumb and like you're just like, I have to go to sleep now. Like today is over. Yeah, and then you're like, Are they are they right? Am I really my am I just not legit? And they uh, okay, maybe they're not right, but maybe I really don't know what I'm doing. And like exactly, you get like all into your head, <laughs> like you, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's this whole like dichotomy between uh, externalizing your self worth based on like things you make or or maybe your taste or something, and then like internalizing it. And I just have to remind myself all the time, like the things I made don't define me. I don't need to get all depressed. Right. Somebody so, like one thing I made. It's so dangerous what you just said. You are exactly right. You totally start to merge with your creation, mm-hmm. which on the one hand allows you to pour the time, energy, and like fiber of your being into it. But on the other hand, it's not actually true and it can destroy you. Yeah. yeah. And it's so weird that you get like so many people saying good things and one person says something bad and it just means so much more. I don't know what it is. We're all just very insecure, I think. Is what <laughs> <laughs> Good or very well be it. Yeah. So I'm curious, uh, what, like, what led to the idea to create this? Was it like a personal problem you had with saving money? No. Um, it was a personal problem I had with using, whether it's the bank's experience, even Vanguard's experience, and being like, why are these so shitty and why do the vast majority of at least Americans not do these things? Mm. And to say the vast majority of Americans are like stupid, which I've heard people say, is just complete bullshit. Because I, these are my, like my family members and my friends, and they're all very smart. Yeah. But there's a breakdown between 
the best practices that are out there, which is what you guys are helping do, right? Resonate these best practices with people who aren't going to read all this financial literature because I don't want to fucking spend my time doing that. And I shouldn't have to. You know, you know yeah. what everyone says though, right? They're like, well, you're like, why don't, why don't you say like, oh no, it's like too hard. I wish someone would just do it for me. Totally. <laughs> right. So boom, did you? There it is. <laughs> Our conversation. All right, dude. You, nice. you owe me like the check after this call. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it started with that frustration. It wasn't okay. necessarily me not being able to save, but it was like, why do these pro? Like, if you look at your checking account today, even in the web UI, the way you look at that is the same way a cashier in Holland in the year 1500 would have showed one of their customers their balance. Mm. It's like, what? Like, something is broken there. The world is way more complex, and we're using like the same visualization we used 500 years ago. Mm. You're like an actuary spreadsheet. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> and some, you know, some things don't change because they're good and right. But just the amount of complexity that's happened for the individual when it comes to managing their money uh, in the last 500 years and the fact that that's still the same way we sort of are presented our money, that shit's just fucked. Right. Do you, do you my think- letter, I've cursed a few times. Is there like a swear jar or my like over the <laughs> this like do you bleep them or what's No, like- we don't bleep them. We, we have okay. the E tag on our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're uncensored, you know. It's because we have <laughs> we're liberal liberal with our cursing and maybe honesty too. You know. Okay. But uh sometimes I'm- I have the filter on, but uh, I'm originally from Baltimore and so um I don't know, it's naturally there and depending on the folks I'm with, I just don't have the filter on. So you guys have Clearly, uh, I'm from no New filter. York. It's part of my daily commute. For sure. <laughs> Midwest. We don't curse here. <laughs> no, we do it. It's just not kind of. It's not part of the culture. Yeah. So Everyone's I, polite. I, you'll hear me say it less, but I do not care, and sometimes I do curse. So. Okay. Is but there I, a, is there an app on the way? Maybe. 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 Why yeah. maybe? Like, shouldn't you be like, of course there's an app. Everyone has an app. So, yeah, I guess what was the decision to go text message uh, as the dominant form of mobile interaction as opposed to an app? It was really just, we just stumbled upon it, to be honest. When I, when we, so the first thing we did was build the integration with the banks, with a lot of the banks. And then we had built five or six prototypes and what is digit was the six prototype. And the first thing we did was, I was like, you know, we, it wasn't me, but it was with the team. But I kind of like, okay, I had this idea. I don't remember who actually had it. But I was like, I just want my balance. Like, I want to I tell Digit to give me my balance. And so we shipped this piece of code. And then I texted in balance. And it sent me an immediate response. And I was like, what the? Why does that feel so good? And from that point on, we just started building on SMS. And I think what, what's happened is we've fallen in love with it because it's, we do it every day. Like, Americans, on average, open up the messaging app 28 times a day on their phone. That's mm-hmm. even greater as you get younger. And so it's an extension of something you already do and know. And it makes the conversation with your money a lot more approachable, I think. And so okay. it's why we're addicted to it and we're going to continue to push that forward. However, where an app plays its part is there's this idea of I want to see where my money is and I want to feel like it's in a safe place. And the yeah. app is going to be like that vault experience, like talking to your banker over SMS or your private banker, and then going into the vault, you would sort of open up the app to do that, I think. Yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. Because uh, like with SMS, it almost feels like, I, I, I love the idea of just like really quick interactions, but if that's your only way 
to interface with your money. It's like you have like a telegraph and <laughs> you can't like go into the bank. Yeah. So you can go into the website, right? Yeah. So right now okay. you would you would log in um, via mobile web and you could see your details and do things. Okay, and cool. Update settings. So we do have that. Um, and so, you know, the app will like, likely enhance that experience, I think. Yeah. And I guess in that case, like it really seems like the value can be delivered almost entirely through SMS, which is cool. It's magical, man. I mean, again, I'm one of the creators, so I'm super biased, but I'm just like, holy shit, this is magical. So, uh, so what are the Easter eggs? You like mentioned there was Easter eggs. There are some you can There's divulge. There's a lot, man. We're going to be doing an co- Easter egg competition in April okay. for Easter. Can we have a hint? Yeah, so let's see. Which one should I give a hint about? So in the movie Finding Forrester, there is a meme that went global. And the abbreviation of that meme, if you text it into digit, um, is one of the Easter eggs. Okay, so oh, so you can like text digit like codes and stuff and get back cool things. Yeah, so if you text digit the um, letters of "You're the man now, dog," Y T M N. Nice. Uh, that, I you, lived on that site, dude. There you go. <laughs> there's a response for that, and there's a lot of things like that in digit. It was like literally the most obnoxious site on the internet. <laughs> it totally was. Whatever happened to that guy? Oh man, I love that. I don't think that Listen Money Matters has very many of them, but my site. Uh, has some Easter eggs on it, so I definitely appreciate Easter eggs and fun things and secret Easter stuff. Eggs are the best, man. <laughs> it like adds a whole other layer onto Dude, the world. So, so um, if you go to the Digit site, and and we'll we'll brag about something at the end of the show, but um, how, how people will be able to cut the line. But if you go to the Digit site, um, you can't. I mean, you could sign up and get to like a, a queue to what ends. I, I don't even know. How come you're not just like letting everyone in? It's a good question. Originally, it was because, and it's still, it's not about to be the case in um, shortly. But originally, it's just we couldn't uh, scale the banking infrastructure fast enough, mm-hmm. and so we needed to finish an integration with Wells Fargo before we could really start opening up the doors. <clears throat> now we're sort of finished that integration. And what we saw is there's a lot of communities that I think should get access to Digit first because they're already thinking about the space that kind of Digit is in. It doesn't necessarily have to be just finance. It could be design. Um, It could be a couple of these other communities. And I want those people to give us feedback first. Mm. And so that's why we're keeping it still closed and we're sort of seeding invites with communities of people that kind of resonate with what we're doing and want to be a part of the journey. Your your answer to my question uh, started with "That's a good question," and uh, is, that the, is that the political response? That <laughs> well, that's helped? definitely the political <laughs> response. There's a Freakonomics episode on why people say that's a good question in the beginning. I think I would actually tell you if it was bad, though. I would say that's a bad question. That's a terrible question, <laughs> but I'm gonna answer it anyways just to mock you on the air. Yeah, <laughs> let me answer that question by asking you a question: How many woodchucks could a woodchuck chuck? <laughs> So, oh, so why do we say that's a good question, Andrew? Um, uh, it's usually for like stalling. Sometimes, okay. sometimes it's 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 rarely for like, oh, you're so good, you know. <laughs> it's totally right. It's to give yourself a second to collect your response. I could, I totally feel that. It, it, well, it's it's okay. So 
And usually in conversations like this, it's for stalling, but you'll notice um, like th there are certain phrases. This is a very common one, but the president has his own, and a lot of these things are called a bridge. So you would say, so I'll ask you a question, and you'll say, that's a good question, and then you'll proceed to not answer my question and say whatever <laughs> the hell you want to say. So that's like, that's like, the, that's like the most elementary bridge. <coughs> the president has other ones. and that's, the, that's totally the politician bridge. Yeah, so it's yeah. like... Okay, so it's like a way to sort of deflect and, and make it not as obvious that you're not going to answer the question. It's like, so does digit pay us interest? Andrew, that's a, that's good, a great a question. question. <laughs> you know Speaking of beer. Our, yeah. <laughs> you know saving our users on, you know, average 5.5% of their income? What was the question? <laughs> Badass. So um, if people want to sign up for Digit, which I've been playing with for the past like week and a half since since Ethan and I first talked. Yeah, well, what do you think? Like candidly. Um, what do I think? So yeah. I have enjoyed um I it's not waking up because I actually had to double check the time. It's like at I think it's like noon my time. I'll oh, just get a text. Yeah. Huh. It's because I actually would like it. If I and I because my first thought was like, I enjoy waking up where Digit just tells me my balance, mm -hmm. but then I realized yeah, I guess I really like it when Digit interrupts my lunch by telling me my bank balance, you know, after I bought lunch. Yeah. But um, It'll I think... will get earlier. It's, be it's, it's time zones. Time zones are hard in programming. Um, we just haven't... It, it goes out 9 a.m. Pacific. Oh, and is I mean, it cron? It's... Yeah, it's a scheduler. Exactly. Okay. The, the one thing I do have to say is that it, it was surprisingly satisfying and I did not expect it to be. I actually thought it was going to be pretty annoying to text balance. I was like, ah, oh, really? Like I have to ask it for my balance. Like I can't just like see it, but it was kind of nice. Like I texted and the response was like instant and it was just enough information. Um, but like not more information. Because I don't really want to spend my time, even though I have a financial podcast, I don't want really to spend my time thinking about money or do totally. other shit. Yep. <laughs> but, as, but as you should. Anyways, if people do want to get in first, if they want to cut the line, they can go to listenmoneymatters.com slash digit and sign up now. Um, and when we were talking on the phone, you said it, it will be open, but it, things could change. So they should just like do it now. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Buy now. We, Act we gotta, now. <laughs> I see that you have that redirect on there. We got to get you a proper, a proper link as well. Dude, get get us a digit.co slash money. Should be you want you want slash money? If you go to betterment.com slash money, that's us. All yeah. right, we're gonna get you slash money. So you're gonna be digit.co slash r slash money. Slash so r slash. Ah, that's kind of sketchy. <laughs> it stands for referral, and oh, that's okay. how we know it's coming as a recommendation. Cool. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Gotcha. Give me one second. I'm going to push this live real quick while we're here on the call. Really? Yeah. You guys can try it. And so we could redirect our Please. URL to that URL. Exactly. And, that. And, then, and then redirect that back, and then there's a black hole. That goes to Google. <laughs> and then that goes to Zombocom. What we're going to do is we're going to Google Listen Money Matters, and then auto... Okay, we're going to stop this. <laughs> People are like, I don't... Google, you need to Google dual barrel roll, then click the link as the screen is upside down. <laughs> so how much did digit.co cost you? Uh, $4,750. For the domain name, right? Nice. Yep. Damn. 
you know, everyone, everyone's been creating these, these things, art of, like, art of vacuum cleaning, like, art of cleaning my roof, zen of butt scratching. So I was like, I want to get, like, <laughs> artofmoney.com. And some, some dude owns it. And, and uh, I was like, I just made, like, a $100 request or something. And I'm like, he's like, you know, we, you have to give us a more serious offer. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, why don't you counter offer me? And I think he says something like, yeah, four or $5,000. I was like, go fuck yourself. Like, Dude, have you listened to the podcast Reply All yet? No, I haven't. I want to, though. There's an episode about the guys who uh, have longform.org. Mm-hmm. And like they, they wanted to get longform.com. And uh, the whole episode is like how basically like one of the co-founders sort of fucked up and like let the owner know who it was that was wanting to get the domain. And then they automatically started like getting like pitched like, oh, we're going to sell this domain. You should give us like a bid, $8,000, $10,000, stuff like that. It's pretty interesting. So, yeah, you should listen to it. It's good. These people are crazy. I, <laughs> I mean, you have no idea. The domain industry is nuts. Real is estate, man. Like, what the hell was going on? True. There's like 10,000 weird markets and shady resellers of domains. Imagine if there was just like one condo in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, that would, that's like the, do- there's only one domain name. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, if you go to, Digit.co slash r slash money. It'll now see. It'll now say at the top. Listen, money matters. And has invited you to Digit. Awesome. I'm gonna use my clickety clackety keyboard to check it out here. Careful, the video auto. Nice. Yeah, I just I paused. I caught it. Yeah. I don't think our recorder catches it though, so that's cool. Nice. Uh, I, it it may have actually a little bit on my end. We'll, we'll oh. find out. It'll be like a colorful. <laughs> a little bonus or Easter egg. Well, badass, dude. Thanks cool, for man. coming on, telling us about this, and, and letting us in on like uh, like before it's actually like a, a big thing. Yeah, it's, I really, you know, it's a pleasure, and I really appreciate you guys having me on. This has been fun. For sure, man. Hey, if you've got questions about money or digits or numbers or whatever, then I go over to listenmoneymatters at gmail.com is our email address, and you can email us any questions you may have. We would love to answer them. And by we, I mean Andrew. Uh, let's just I'm bury so him in email. I'm sorry that I'm like just very bury far him. Yeah, I'm like so like, buried. What's your count? What's my count? Yeah. You know, dude, like the other day, I think I crushed out like 30 or 40 emails. I got myself to nice. like 80 remaining. And yeah. then I, I took a day off and I came back. I was already back to 120. <laughs> and I was like so depressed that it came back. So, and because the thing is, is people don't like send an email. They're not, they're not like, hey, Andrew, love the show. Keep doing it. Love, <laughs> whatever. It's, it's like, Andrew, great show and they write me like three paragraphs on like critiquing the show and then it's like four paragraphs on their personal life situation with money and i feel compelled like i have to respond back and give them the answer you have to it just takes like a lot of time and then when it's like eight days and a reply like i feel like i have to apologize because i'm not that important i just have a lot of emails yeah i have a question going back to january 1st luckily i have nothing from 2014 in the inbox but still it's old. It's the same situation. You know, students will tell me their entire life story, basically. And I'm like, uh-huh. I, I, you know, I want to help, but there's like 83 emails right now. So it gets tough. But anyway, we do want to answer your questions, and we make our best effort to answer them. They just may come a few days later than we want them to. <laughs> or, or weeks. Or weeks. Don't judge. 
<laughs> yeah, don't judge. Anyway, hey, if you want to get involved with the show, uh, the least amount of getting involved would be just simply subscribing to the show. Then head on over to listenmoneymatters.com slash get involved. Whether or not you want to put a dash in between those two words is up to you. They both hit the same page. We also have some opportunities for potentially joining a team, getting involved in heavier ways if you want to, if you really love this show. And if you love this show, you can also leave a review and rating on iTunes. I'm going to read one real quick if I can squint at this review here from TK Mush. It says, this podcast is a great way to start learning the topic of personal finance. They are two guys just like the rest of us. The beer talk shows that they don't have a holier-than-thou attitude. They reach from the basic topics to the down and dirty details of higher-level finance. Great overall podcast. Keep it up. Well, thank you, TK Mush. And uh, if you, dear listener, want to leave a review, we will love you for approximately 16,000 years. I made that number up. <laughs> but anyway, uh, if you want to find our favorite money management resources, books that we recommend, all sorts of cool stuff, listen, moneymatters.com slash toolbox is where you can find that. Thanks again for hanging out with us. And Ethan, thanks for hanging out with us as well. It's been fun. See Next you guys. Time, time I'll have a beer. Yes. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye, Andrew. Please tell your friends about this show.